Hey, this is Mr. Anderson, Anderson, and you are listening to Two Out of Three Falls. Yeah, 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 what up? You know, it's uh, Peter Rosenberg, Hot 97, ESPN, WWE Network, Cheap Peak Podcast. Um, let's see what else. I got mad jobs out here, but right now, talking all things wrestling with my man Randy Cruz, the Cruise Control Podcast. Sit back and stay mage. You're listening to Cruise Control with Randy Cruz. This is the voice of the New World Order. N-W-O. And Neil Furman's secrets of WCW Nitro. Brian Shields, my man, how you doing? I'm doing well. It's uh, it's a hot summer here in New York City. <laughs> Every Everything's been going well. I just can't thank you enough for having me back on. It is great to be with you. Always a pleasure. Uh, we, we, we get a, a great kick out of talking wrestling here on the show. Uh, you're on Twitter at It's Brian Shields, big time um, author, 30 years of WrestleMania. Uh, great work with uh, WWE 2K. Second Nature book uh, came out earlier in the year. Great job with that about Ric Flair and Charlotte Flair. Um, but now we have you on, as you said, it's hot, it's summertime, and we have a bunch of anniversaries to talk about as it pertains to SummerSlam. Uh, real quick, SummerSlam 2018 just happened at the Barclays Center, which is, I, I think for now, the final SummerSlam happening in Brooklyn. Um, real quick, when it was in Brooklyn the last four years, how many of those did you go to? You know what? Unfortunately, I did not go to any of them live, mm. um, which disappoints me. Uh, and the reason for that was was that I was working each SummerSlam. I've been working on a different WWE project. And, you know, man, those deadlines uh, are tight. You got to make sure that you're bringing your best mm -hmm. and that what you're submitting is is worthy of being uh, part of a WWE project. So uh, I watch every SummerSlam. Unfortunately, though, uh, I was not at one and actually the last SummerSlam that I was at live hmm. this is way way back in the day okay was SummerSlam 2002 hmm. at the Nassau Coliseum right right um so the big you know the big match for that was uh Rock versus Brock for the undisputed WWE undisputed championship and if you go back and look at that event on the WWE network uh, I got to tell you, that was a great event. It was a great SummerSlam. And that first match, Rey Mysterio versus Kurt Angle, mm. um, set things off like you wouldn't believe. And then, of course, the other match that seemed to get mainstream notoriety was that was Shawn Michaels' return to WWE and had that uh, non-sanctioned no holds barred match against Triple H. So um, I will tell your audience, like every other WWE event, if you are able to go to a SummerSlam, you have to go. Seeing it live mm. is just fantastic. And I do think uh, outside of WrestleMania, I do think there's a, a little bit extra energy to SummerSlam just because it's the summer. Uh, if you're a younger fan, uh, you, you're out of school, um, and you know if you're an older fan, you can you know take days off of work. You're going on vacations, 
or whatever it may be. There's just there's a little to me. There's a little extra energy uh, in the building for SummerSlam for that reason. So aside from 2002 at, at Nassau, is that the only SummerSlam you've been to? Yes. Wow. Yes. And you know what's so funny is that you know we, you know and we'll talk about it later. SummerSlam '88, '98, um, and '91 were the the ones held at the Garden. And for me, my first SummerSlam was going to the Barclays in 2015. And wow. it, you know, me and you can sit back and say, you know what? How in the world do we have SummerSlam '88, uh, '91, and '98 and other? WrestleManias and Royal Rumbles and Survivor Series and say they're in my hometown but I never got a chance to go to it whether I had whether I had the money to, to, to go to it or I just wasn't in that mind frame to go because I, I would rather uh, watch it on pay-per-view but to me I, before I had you on I'm like to me I, I feel like it's a shame that these these major events, these major pay-per-views were in my hometown, and I've only been to maybe like four or five of them. Oh, yeah. Well, dude, look, I mean, in all fairness, I feel this way maybe just, you know, because I've only been to one. It's a tough ticket. True. Um, you know, and, and you mentioned the, the ones that were at the Garden. I mean, you know, SummerSlam 89 was at the Meadowlands mm-hmm. in New Jersey. Um, SummerSlam 90 was at the Spectrum in Philadelphia. Right. So um, on the East Coast, in the Northeast, there's always something special about WWE. In the New York area, and I know Philadelphia doesn't consider itself that, so I'll just say the Northeast, um, there is a really deep history with, of course, WWE in general, but SummerSlam, uh, because those first events were either at the Garden in New York, the one in the Meadowlands in New Jersey, or the one at the Spectrum in Philadelphia, because the one after that was the big one where they had over 80,000 fans in Wembley in 1992. So uh, there's definitely something special about WWE, as I said, but uh, also SummerSlam, when you think of the history of the early events and how many of them have taken place in mm. New York. Are you excited for 2019 SummerSlam in Toronto? I am. Um, Toronto is one of my favorite cities. It was actually the first uh, WrestleMania that I went to was WrestleMania 18 in Toronto. Mm. Um, and, you know, Canada has has a, an incredible history for professional wrestling going back to the territory days um of maple leaf wrestling in toronto run by the tunnies all the way across to uh, all the way across the country to Stu hart and calgary uh big time wrestling in vancouver with gene kaniski so you know and then that um you talk about the rougeos in montreal and, and so many others so you know, Canada, the way that they they hold uh, professional wrestling is very similar to Mexico and Japan. And uh, in terms of they cover it like a sport and they really respect the athletic demands. So they always roll out the red carpet for WWE. And I think next year at SummerSlam will be no different. 
Well, Brian, I have you here for one or a few specific reasons. Uh, we're taping this on Thursday, August 30th. So for those big-time wrestling fans like me and you, we know that today it makes 20 years for SummerSlam 1998, but also more importantly, yesterday, August 29th, made the anniversary for WrestleMania, WrestleMania SummerSlam 88, which made 30 years, and 26 years for SummerSlam 92, and 24 years for SummerSlam 1994. All three of those were on August 29th. But the big thing is SummerSlam 88, MSG, uh, just reading the history and the background of it is it, very, very telling and very cool. Um, but I first want to ask you, when you hear SummerSlam 88, what's the first thing that goes through your mind and what's the, what's the significance behind SummerSlam 88? Well, when I when I hear the term SummerSlam '88, um, I think of the main event, uh, the Mega Powers versus the Mega Bucks, mm-hmm. and you know the Mega Powers was something really special that was formed on Saturday night's main event, and that was Hulk Hogan and Randy Macho Man Savage, and uh, and that was the cause of Randy Savage becoming a quote unquote good guy. And the Mega Bucks were, you know, at the time, the most serious threats to the lifeblood of Hulkamania. And that was Andre the Giant and Ted DiBiase Mm -hmm. and, you know, and Bobby the Brain Heenan on the outside along with Virgil. And, um, you know, that's what I think of, Randy. The other thing I think of in in a historical context, you know, at this time, there was a fierce competition between WWE which the face of WWE was their champion, Hulk Hogan. Um, though at the time for SummerSlam, Randy Savage was champion. Right. And um, the NWA and Jim Crockett promotions, which, you know, their their face was the nature boy, Ric Flair. And um, the reason why I mentioned that was because, you know, Jim Crockett promotions was a few years into the Great American Bash uh, live summer tour. And um, they were doing a lot of things on pay-per-view. Their annual event was Starcade, And what WWE was doing at that time was they were reinvesting the money that they were earning from rest the success of annual WrestleManias. And they were putting it into expanding their pay-per-view productions. So uh, there's no ac- – it's by no accident – that you know in 87 was the first survivor series and then in 88 you had uh the um in 88 you had the first royal rumble and then the first SummerSlam. i mean that's not like that's not by accident so you know SummerSlam is is to me when i think of SummerSlam 88 um i think of those things with the mega powers versus the mega bucks and then uh, it being solidifying WWE as having a you know summertime pay per view spectacular, which at the time back then was a very big deal. I think a lot of people, um, you know, unless they Google it or go on Wikipedia, don't really know the timeline of the creation of SummerSlam. And, and like you mentioned, I did write it down where you know McMahon was going at it with NWA at the time, even before the Monday Night War later on in the 90s. Um, you know, him, NWA, you get WrestleMania, 
and then you have Star Kid around, and then what I found out was that <laughs> Survivor Series '87 was on the same day as Star Kid '87, which I didn't even know that until I looked it up probably a half hour ago. Then to go along with this little back and forth war. Um, McMahon created the Royal Rumble, which was free on the USA Network, again, which I did not know. Yes. And, um, but after that, Jim Crockett created the Clash of Champions. So like, as you mentioned, it's not a coincidence that SummerSlam was created to be the, 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 the fourth main show for the WWF. But I think it's kind of cool for those who don't know that when McMahon did something, Crockett did something in, in return and vice versa to kind of create this war of wrestling, which is basically back then was the wrestling boom, I, I would say. Uh, absolutely. I mean, if you look back at the 1980s, you know, you had WWE um, making their run at expanding and being known as a uh, national organization with the birth of WrestleMania and the success of WrestleMania one, mm. um, the, the daring exploits of a three site WrestleMania two, and then what really launched them into a whole new galaxy was the, uh, smashing success of WrestleMania three. Um, and then you take to that, uh, their television syndication, their national cable, Deals their home video with the heralded Coliseum home video line, uh, their action figures with LJN in 1989 was the first video game wrestle titled WrestleMania by Acclaim Entertainment for the original 8 bit Nintendo. I mean, these were all things that Vince McMahon was spearheading to create the groundwork and to expand the foundation of the global publicly traded company that we know today. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned Ric Flair earlier, and I'm pretty sure you know because you're a big-time historian. Um, again, I didn't know until I, I did the research that, um, I mean, it could be a rumor or it could be truth that the original plan for SummerSlam 88 as far as the main event was to have Ric Flair against Macho Man Randy Savage for the world title. And, you know, McMahon wanted to bring in Ric Flair. Ric Flair was still on the contract with, with the NWA. And obviously we didn't know that did not happen. Ric Flair comes, in, comes into the company in 1991. But if, you know, aside from a tag match with the Mega Powers and the Mega Bucks, you could have had Ric Flair and Randy Savage for the world title in your, in your first ever main event at SummerSlam. Yes, and actually that's something that Rick spoke to me a lot about uh, in great detail, and it's part of the dual memoir with, with Rick and his daughter Charlotte Second Nature, um, which I wrote with them. It came out last September through St. Martin's Press, and you know, Rick took me through uh, the detail, and the detail is in the book, so I don't want to ruin it, mm. but it is a really cool story. Um, because Rick has history with Randy uh, from the late '70s, when when Randy was breaking in in the and breaking into the business in the Carolinas, and knew him since then, and um, it it was it became very close. Uh, people don't realize how close uh, the Nature Boy was to debuting a few years earlier 
in WWE uh, to oppose the Macho Man. So that that SummerSlam 88 main event could very well have been uh, Randy defending the the title uh, against uh, against Ric Flair. When's the last time you saw SummerSlam 88, uh, Brian? Uh, the last time I saw it was, gosh, maybe a year ago, two years ago, in mm. full. In full. Okay. I think for me, it's been, <laughs> it's been a very long time. But when I ask you, you know, what comes to mind, I think for me, what comes to mind at SummerSlam was the 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 classic thirty one second match between the Warrior and the Honky Tonk Man, and you know, a Honky Tonk was the longest reigning Intercontinental Champion at that time, and then he was supposed to fight uh, Brutus above a Beefcake, and he wasn't available. I think it was storyline wise, and then he does you know get me somebody out here to wrestle, and the crowd's going crazy. They don't they don't know who it is. And the warrior comes out. He runs. He he clotheslines him. He, he splashes him. By the time you know it, the warrior is intercontinental champion, which he would hold, I think, for a whole year until WrestleMania five. Um, looking back at that match, you know, I don't think we called it a squash match back then. But looking at looking at that match, how significant is that thirty one second match for the warrior and the honky tonk man, and also for the intercontinental championship? Oh, it's it's something that it's it's timeless. Uh, you did not have stuff like that happen in WWE with two established superstars at that time. Um, you did not have that happen at a pay per view, let alone the first ever pay per view uh, of a particular sort. And um, you know there. The, the Ultimate Warrior, who I, I also had the honor of working with many times over the years, mm. was a iconic figure in pro wrestling. Uh, his rise in WWE was nothing short of meteoric. Um, and, you know, that was something where you definitely think of that match when you hear... SummerSlam 88 and you know the garden crowd it was a sellout um the honky tonk man was was really a, a despised villain he was great at keeping the title um so it, it really was it was something that you know people were just shocked I mean nobody expected the warrior to come out and then nobody expected him to come out and and defeat honky tonk in that fashion and you know since it was on pay-per-view you got to give a nod to future hall of famers you know gorilla monsoon and superstar billy graham were calling the action mm -hmm. uh for SummerSlam because jesse the body ventura was the special guest referee for the main event and um i've always loved the broadcasters of wwe uh, I think they go underappreciated in terms of not only how hard their job is, but what they add to the excitement and the drama of what is happening in the ring. And if you go on the WWE Network, you go on YouTube, uh, you want to kick it old school and pop in the VHS tape from mm -hmm. Coliseum Video, um, listen to the crowd, listen to the announcers, 
after Warrior hits that splash. And that's all I need to say. Mm. I mean, taking nothing away from the card, um, but how much weight do you feel that this event being at the Garden holds? Because... You know, for example, if SummerSlam 88, first time they're doing this, is at, like you said, the Meadowlands or the Spectrum or Rhode Island, Connecticut, Boston, would it have the same punch? Would it have the same nostalgia as opposed to it being at Madison Square Garden? No. No, absolutely not. And, uh, you know, and I'm not saying that as a biased New Yorker. Mm. Um, New York City is the number one media market in the world. And that's not new news, no pun intended. Um, it's been that way for a very long time. Um, many of the New York newspapers, uh, news programs, sport, you know, whatever it may be, um, you know, if something happens in New York, even if it's picked up locally, it will get coverage nationally. Uh, Madison Square Garden is the world's most famous arena. So again, you know, uh, when when something goes down there and it's historic, uh, it's a major, major happening. So uh, for the uh, for the event to have the card that it did, to have that kind of a main event at the really the peak of, of the powers of Hulkamania, mm. a brand new pay per view event, and the history of Madison Square Garden. Um, it, I mean, it absolutely was perfect. And, and just to give an idea of the long history of between WWE and the McMahon family in Madison Square Garden, Vince McMahon Sr. and Vince McMahon Jr., who we know as Mr. McMahon, mm-hmm. are in the Madison Square Garden Walk of Fame. There is a whole display against plexiglass or museum glass. Yeah honoring wrestlemania one so you know again that illustrates everything right there um and for the for the pay-per-view buy rate you know pay-per-view back in that time was in the early heyday um you still had to buy it on pay-per-view or or close close circuit television for a 4.5 buy rate so I would say SummerSlam 88 was, was an astounding success on pay-per-view, right? Huge. Huge, huge success. And, and Randy, again, you know, just to put it into context, and I, I don't want to belabor our conversation or weigh it down with, with too much historical stuff, but I do think what we're talking about is important because today with streaming, yeah, you know, you get everything as it happens, right? The the, the phrase "real time" today mm-hmm. is a is a buzzword. You know, back then, uh, you ordered it. You were either there live, you could watch it on closed circuit, and closed circuit at that point was fading out, but it was still there. Yeah. Um, and then, and then you could wait the month or two months that it came out on home video. So this idea of, oh, I'm just going to turn on this channel and watch it in real time and then I can watch it back again however long I want, how many times I want, is something very new in the grand scheme of things. So, 
you know, that was also something that made all the events a little extra special back then. So where does SummerSlam 88 rank for you personally? Again, there's 30, 30 SummerSlams, a lot to pick from. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Does it, um, does it crack your top five? Or top seven, it, it, ten? It, it, <laughs> it does. No, you know what? It, it does because, and I'm a big proponent of what I'm about to say, so I guess it's convenient. Mm. But, you know... These events in those days, the infancy of the company as a national entity, if those events aren't like smash hits, you're probably not getting another one. You might get something else. You know, there might be something to replace it down the road. But like if SummerSlam 88 doesn't succeed, everything else suffers. So I think you have to um, I think you have to put it in the top five, if not the top 10. You know, it's very difficult, like, you know, with all the great work that you do with basketball, you know, and I know I know I know we've talked about that as well. Mm. Like um, it's very difficult to compare things when you're when you're crossing errors, because things were very different in 1988. Um, so, but to me, again, that first SummerSlam is not a success. I, I don't know what, what happens after that as far as WWE's SummerSlam involvement. Because with, w, with the NWA, the Great American Bash became less important. Starcade became less important. And you then started, like, they created Bash at the Beach in the early 90s. Um, you know, like, things just started to become a bit watered down there, whereas WWE, I felt like they always made sure that, that those classic pay-per-views especially were elevated in importance. Um. You're right, and I, and I do, and I do want to say also very quickly. Mm. You know, watch the match with the Bulldogs and the Rougeos. Yes, um, the Bulldogs are one of my favorite all-time tag teams. We talked about Warrior Honky Tonk Man Demolition in the Heart Foundation. Mm. Um, that was a heck of a match. Um, you know, so you had a lot of a lot of great stuff happening at that time, and if it's not top five, uh, it, it should be top ten just for the historical significance. And real quick, you mentioned Demolition and Heart Foundation, and I know this is a different SummerSlam, but their match um, in 90, the two out of three falls match for me, um, you know, whether it's SummerSlam or, or, you know, in general, or for me, top five, it's in my top five SummerSlam match. I don't know about everybody else, but that Demolition Heart Foundation two out of three falls match for the tag titles. I mean, you can't get you can't get any better than that. You know what, man? It's it goes down as one of the greatest tag matches of all time. Mm. Um, I think both teams are underappreciated for different reasons. But if you go back and you watch Demolition on the WWE pay-per-views back then. If you watch their Saturday night's main event matches, 
if you go on the network and see what they were doing at live events, they were having outstanding matches. Same thing with the Hart Foundation. Um, those teams and what they did for the tag titles um, really elevated, continued kind of to elevate the prestige of the WWE World Tag Team titles at that time because mm -hmm. in the mid-80s and mid to late 80s, tag team wrestling was just through the roof. Um, so, you know, those guys definitely brought it and they, they had a great match. Definitely did. Um, also on August 29th, back in 92 and 94, Brian, we had SummerSlam 92 and SummerSlam 94. Um, what do you recall most from 92 and 94 SummerSlams? Well, you know, SummerSlam 92, you know, we're getting into an interesting area of the company's history because uh, it was the first SummerSlam without Hulk Hogan. Um, True. That was a big deal. Uh, and looking back on it historically, it was a very big deal. Um, you know, Ric Flair was brought into the company and he wasn't on the card. Um, you know, and there was, uh, at this time, Randy, a incredible array of talent. There are different, uh, years or time frames where like the stars align and the planets align and WWE gets this incredible cross section of talent from different eras, different promotions, that are now all under the WWE umbrella. And the 1990, people talk about that when they talk about the 1992 Royal Rumble. Um, you know, you look at the 92 roster, you had the greatest stars from the NWA, the AWA, WWE. I mean, it was just amazing. And, um, you know, that match between Bret Hart and British Bulldog is is one of the greatest matches of all time. I mean, it was the main event. Uh, the Intercontinental title was the main event. Enough said. And you know what, Brian? I think that's. <coughs> I think it's very. Uh, I think it's very telling. One, obviously, it was in in, in London, England. The Bulldog is from London, so you kind of knew. You kind of know why that was a main event, but still. You can say, all right, Bulldog, Brett, IC title, main event. Okay, cool, fine. But you have for the WWF title, Macho Man and the Ultimate Warrior. And again, those who weren't around that time can can have the argument of like, how does Macho Man and Warrior not go last? But Brett and Bulldog do. But in hindsight, you look, you look back at it now, Brett and Bulldog was the better match. But as you said, Ric Flair was not on the card. He was he was involved in that match with uh, with Mr. Perfect. They yeah. both did not wrestle, but I think for the first time, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that the main title was not the main event for a big time pay per view. No, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, it was it was a it was a big deal at the time. I mean, it really really was. And you know, I mean, you know, Ultimate Warrior and Randy Savage had an amazing match at WrestleMania Seven. 
almost a year and a half before that. And, you know, when people talk about Ultimate Warrior and Randy Savage, that's the match that they go back to because it was so iconic. It was so hard for there was a great, great all time performance by both men. And, you know, people don't really talk about the the match that they had uh, for the, the heavyweight title at SummerSlam 92. What they talk about is is Bulldog versus Bret Hart. And, you know, I mean, you had the Road Warriors on that card. Mm-hmm. Um, you had a very entertaining match with Rick Martel and an upstart uh, singles wrestler and Heartbreak Kid where, you know, both wrestlers couldn't punch each other in the face. Uh, and it was for the services of Sensational Sherry. You had Undertaker versus Kamala. I mean, you know, it, it was a, it was a very good card, but you know, it really uh, it all was about this incredible match between the Bulldog and Bret Hart. And then you had the Repo Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can't forget about crushing Repo Man, right, Brian? That's that's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, SummerSlam '92. Where does it rank for you? Uh, I I think for me it, it it's got to be uh it's got to be top ten because of not only the the Bulldog Bret Hart match, but again, dude, that historic significance. I mean, you have over eighty thousand people. Yeah. For a SummerSlam. With, yeah, so, w- without Hulk Hogan. Without, without Hulk Hogan, not in the United States. Um, you know, I mean, it was huge. Um, And I think that was the only main event, as far as the big four, WrestleMania, Rumble, Survivor, and SummerSlam, that was the only main event, I mean, only pay-per-view outside of North America. Do you think... That you know, we always hear a rumor WrestleMania could be this here and, and SummerSlam could be in this country. Do you think they would ever take one of these big four events outside of the North America? Um, I, I, I do just because WWE is a global company. I know with um, with the time change, t- change in time zones, I know it would be challenging, but. You know, as history has shown, if anybody could do it, it's WWE. And uh, and I, I do what I think is I do think there'll be a WrestleMania in London. I think that that is that's just my opinion. Mm. I, I don't know. Um, I don't know when it'll start, but I, I do the start time. Uh, but I do think that will happen. Just some little history. Uh, SummerSlam 92 is the fourth largest in the company's history for uh, attendance behind WrestleMania 29, WrestleMania 3, and WrestleMania 32. It had over over 80,000 people there. Um, and I, one other thing, it, it, it happened on August 29th, but it did not air to us to august 31st so those who don't know now you know right but but again though randy and that's that's a great great point to make again like we're talking about that wouldn't happen today 
I mean, like like if you talk to like if you talk to sports fans from back in the day, like in the seventies and early eighties, you had the NBA Finals on time delay. True. <laughs> I yeah. mean, imagine that. So, you know, know, I mean, that would not happen today where there's a WWE event and, you know, it's not being aired for two days. People don't know what happened for two days. Absolutely not. Where do you rank? um, I think we said it before, but uh, I think you said all time. But as far as SummerSlam goes, Bret Hart, British Bulldog, where do you rank it? Um... I mean, it's all time. It's 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 all time. Uh, it's got to be top five. Mm. Should it, it, you know what? It, Brett Bulldog might be top three. Hey, you know what, man? I can't I can't disagree with you. I I think it is top five. When you really go through the research and all the Summer Slams and pick out each match from whatever from ever um, different show, the Bulldog and Brett. Um, it's hard because even I could say you know fast forwarding now we're at SummerSlam 94 August 29th and I could say Brett and Owen Hart in the steel cage match for the world title is another top five caliber match and and that's the match I recall the most from SummerSlam 94 aside from Taker versus Taker and um, Razor and Diesel for the Intercontinental title that's all I would know off, off the top of my head but in the top five debate, Brett and Owen, like Brett and Bulldog, could be in that top five debate for SummerSlam all time. Oh, absolutely. So that's why that I mean, you know, we would have to, we would have to have like in-person roundtable meetings, yeah, to really come up with a definitive top ten SummerSlam match list. And you know what? I'd love to hear what your audience thinks too. What do you think the top ten SummerSlam matches are of all time o- over the course of the event's thirty-year history? I, I, it'd be, I'd love to do it. Mm. I think I think you'll get a, a, a an array of answers from the old era, the Attitude era, the 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 the, the, the era now might get a few nominations. Cause it's still it kind of it's it's kind of in in recent uh, memory, but um, just going off top, uh, Owen Brett is Owen on uh, the Owen Brett Bulldog. There's um there's even Rock and Triple H in SummerSlam '98, the ladder match. Oh yeah, that um, ladder match is awesome. Again, there's so many. There's this Brett again. Brett Brett is always in the mix. Brett Mister Perfect from '91. Yep. Um. I mean, I, I, yeah. You know, Randy, I, I got to tell you, I mean, if you look at Bret Hart's body of work in WWE, and let's just focus on singles right now. Okay. Look at his body of work from um, WrestleMania 8, which was 92, mm-hmm. against Roddy Piper, where he won the Intercontinental title, all the way up through uh, the Montreal incident or screw job, whatever you want to call it, in 97. I mean, his matches were outstanding. I mean, and you had opponents of 
all different shapes, sizes, styles, um, athletic backgrounds. I mean, he was a standard bearer in really forming, along with Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker and, and a lot of others as well, that they were going away from the giants, the, the sculpted physiques, and they were having these incredibly dramatic athletic contests. And, you know, you look back today, if you look back at those matches, they hold up today. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, with him, it's like he had the the good guy run, the bad guy run, which I think is one of the, the greatest heel runs of all time, him with the whole Canadian stuff, with the America, uh, not on his side. But Brett from 92, 97, Intercontinental Champion, the tag champion in there, I'm pretty pretty sure. The, the world title champion in there, him against Sean, the Owens of the world, Diesel, Undertaker. We can go on and on, but... Um, oh, he, he, was, he was also the first... Uh, when King of the Ring became a pay-per-view in 93, there you go. he was the first King of the Ring winner. I mean, you know, the King of the Ring was an annual event at live events starting in 1985, uh, where it was just a tournament um, that at, for, for live events. But, you know, I mean, there's no, there's no accident that Bret Hart was the first King of the Ring. I mean, and, and look at his stuff with um, Shawn Michaels as well as Steve Austin. Oh, yeah, that helps. I mean, that, that's, that's what I mean, dude. You look at his body of work as a, as a singles wrestler from 92 to 97 in WWE, and it's absolutely outstanding. And if you want to take it back to 85 when he started in WWE, I mean, you you know, for a long time, People considered him like the Lou Gehrig or Cal Ripken, the Iron Man of WWE. He didn't miss a WrestleMania. I mean, it was he was amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I hate to put you on a spot, but this has always been a big time wrestling debate that goes back and forth. If you had to choose Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, which one would you pick? Oh, jeez. <laughs> I know. Jeez. Ain't that um, easy. Oh gosh! I mean, you, you could tell me later on. You, just think about that because I doubt you can make your choice now because it's so, you know, the body of work for both is it, it's it's there. Um, oh yeah, there's so no doubt about that. If you can't tell me now, don't worry about it. But the next time I have you on, you gotta you gotta have that quite that answer for me. Okay. All right. Okay. Deal. Um, before real quick, before I get to '98, um, you can you can see the difference of '88. 92 and 94 as far as the, the, the talent and how many matches that are on the card. So 88 had 10, 92 had 11, and we get to 94 and it's, and it's only 8. And uh, there's no Macho Man on the card, obviously. There's no Hulk Hogan in the other world. Um, there's no Warrior. So you're kind of your main stable of people are not there, but you have your Bret Hart. You still have Undertaker. Now you come in with Shawn Michaels and Diesel and Razor Ramon, um, Bam Bam still around. So it's it's a different kind of this era right here, the new generation era. It, it might not have been one of my favorites 
because a lot of people retired or went to WCW and it was just a different time frame for this this, this kind of crop of talent but you do get a great all-time match with Brett and Owen uh steel cage match for the world title um you get a main event with Taker versus Taker which is you know whatever but SummerSlam 94 that for me personally does not crack anywhere to top five top ten what are your thoughts on 94 it this was really and, and you're you're really saying this it, it, it this is a time of transition you know i mean at this point hulk hogan leaves the company after king of the ring 93 mm-hmm. um by this point in 1994 he's in wcw um macho man is uh, is en route to WCW shortly after that. Um, Andre the Giant has passed away. You have other um, people that were really responsible for the 80s boom that are no longer with the company, um, whether they passed away, whether they moved on, like uh, uh, Jake Roberts or Rick Rude or Ultimate Warrior or Junkyard Dog. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, so it really was a, a time of transition. Um, you know, now that we're in the women's evolution, I, I will say uh, younger members of your audience have to go back and watch Alundra Blaze matches uh, and check her out in Japan uh, as Medusa McShelley in Japan, WCW and the AWA. Um I mean, the, the match that the big match here is Brett and Owen in a cage is just outstanding. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you alluded to uh, the, the number of matches here. I mean, in my opinion, that's for a few reasons. You know, one, you know, the roster at this time was in a bit of flux. Uh, two is you want to make sure that that world title match in a cage hadn't had a lot of time because Brett and Owen were just having incredible matches. So, you know, to me, uh, you cut one or two matches off to make sure that that has enough time to shine because you have to remember, Randy, you know, we're talking about the time of the match. I mean, you know, I don't want to get into the nuts and bolts of, of the presentation because, it's not my area, mm-hmm. but once a superstar's music hits, the clock is ticking. So you got to include their entrance too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it goes. That's why you always have to give a shout to the people behind the scenes. I mean, you're running a live show, a live production. Everybody has to hit their time cues. So I think here you make sure that that the best match on the card which was Bret Hart versus Owen Hart, uh, has enough time to really stand out the way it should. So even now, you're not surprised that Bret and Owen went on ahead of Taker versus Taker, and that was the main event. Well, you know, I think at that point, uh, they may have been trying to do something a little different. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, to me... Bret Hart versus Owen Hart in a cage should have been the main event. Um, I think historically, I think there are only a few instances where the WWE title, or now there's a universal title, 
So I'll say, you know, the whatever is viewed as the top um, championship singles championship should go on last. And I, I think there are only uh, only a few, if you look at it historically, only a few exceptions. The biggest one that could have been made was at WrestleMania 18, The Rock versus Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Um, you know, but otherwise, yeah. You know, I mean, it, uh, to me, that should have gone on last. Yeah, and, you know, two of the last three years during that era, 92 and 94, we had the world title go on mid-card or just before the main event. So, um, but they got back on track in, in 95, 6, and 7, and so, and so on and so forth. But, um, you know, I want to segue real quick to, to 98, which is the last time SummerSlam was held at MSG. So 20 years today, August 30th, makes it for SummerSlam 98. Um, yep. It's the one of uh, one, two, or well, three SummerSlams at the Garden. Um, do, do you kind of miss it? Being, I know, you know, when they came to New York, they came to Brooklyn and did, did the whole NXT, Raw, SmackDown, SummerSlam. You kind of you deep down feel like, hey, man, I, I wish this was at the Garden, right? Oh, I, I do because, and and this is a nostalgia thing. It's not a business thing. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm a New Yorker like you. I grew up in New York. I grew up going to the Garden. Um, you know, so to me, uh, when I think of great moments, uh, I do think of Madison Square Garden. Um, but you know, the fact of the matter is, you know, there's a business. Uh, element to all these things mm -hmm. and um from what i understand and this is just very anecdotal okay very anecdotal mm -hmm. uh from what i understand from friends who work in the live event business not necessarily on the wwe and but just in general you know the barclays center has been excellent and has gained a real garnered a real reputation for being very easy to work with, mm -hmm. very cost effective for different things. And again, you know, you're talking about a publicly traded global company. You got to talk about return on investments and ROI and, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, WWE is a, is a business. So, um, yeah, I, I would love for, I would have loved for SummerSlam to be, um, at, at Madison square garden, but, you know, I'm just happy that it, that it's in New York, that it was in New York for four years in a row. And um, and the Barclays Center is a beautiful venue. We get to 98 uh, SummerSlam, 11 matches on the card. The match I, the two matches that I recall the most just by looking at this Wikipedia page was Triple H, The Rock, Intercontinental title in a ladder match. And of course, Stone Cold, Undertaker for the world title in the main event. Um, again, 20 years ago, the Garden, Highway to Hell, in the middle of the, the Attitude Era, the Monday Night War, a lot of things going on. Um, take me through it. Uh, what do you recall most about SummerSlam 98, the build-up, the actual show? Uh, again, Attitude Era's involved, Monday Night War's involved, and where do you rank SummerSlam 98? Um, well, for me, I, I do think back to the Monday Night War era. Uh, I mean, at this point, 
WWE really turned the corner. Uh, they had WrestleMania 14 with Iron Mike Tyson uh, months before that. Mm. And this was really the, the, the peak of Austin 316. And uh, the Attitude Era was like nothing else. Um, I also remember it well because this was when I started my job at Acclaim Entertainment in the video game business and WWF Warzone on the Sony PlayStation, Nintendo 64, and Nintendo Game Boy uh, was just flying off the shelves. Hell yeah. <laughs> I bought <Off> one. <laughs> so, you know, and, and Stone Cold Steve Austin was on the cover of that game. So, you know, that's what I think back to. Um, Austin versus Undertaker, great rivalry. Um, Triple H versus The Rock. I think, I think because and I want to know what you think and your audience thinks. Mm. I think because Triple H and The Rock went on to do so many other things in WWE that people forget how great their rivalry was for the Intercontinental title. Um, and this is the time where you really saw both of these guys just kick it up another level. You know, no Shawn Michaels at this point. Bret Hart is gone. So, you know, I mean, the attitude over here, everybody from top to bottom was just going at a different, on a different level. And, um, you know, and it's funny, you think back now, you know, the Shamrock, Ken Shamrock versus Owen Hart match, that Lions Den match, um, very interesting and a little bit ahead of its time. If if you look at how MMA has influenced uh, WWE and vice versa, of course. So, um, you know, I mean, those are the things that really, really stand out uh, to me. Yeah, um, I do got to I do got to check out the, the the Shamrock Owen Hart Lions Den match. Uh, I don't recall that as much. And like you said, the card is different. There's no Brett. There's no Shawn Michaels. You still have Taker, Stone Cold. You have The Rock and Hunter. Um, and then you get in the, the kind of new people like Gangrel and Edge and, you know, X-Pac came, you know, came back to the company. Um, yep. D'Lo Brown's involved and just kind of a miss. You know, there's, there's a LOD 2000. Like it just <laughs> kind of reinventing the wheel here. Um, yeah. The Outlaws are still there. Mankind still relevant um, at that time. But I, I look at 98 as probably one of just because it was in the Attitude Era, it was in it was in the Monday Night War Era. Probably one of the most highly anticipated and promoted SummerSlams during that time. Um, again, a, a it was still in the East Coast, like 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 '97 was in in New Jersey, and um, just the overall, I guess, the storyline between Hunter and The Rock and also Stone Cold and The Undertaker um, was prominent. And it made people want to buy it, want to see it, want to go there live. Um, was Taker and Kane in cahoots? Are they really on the same page? And is Stone Cold out there by himself? And The Rock and, you know, The Rock Hunter thing, man, like, like you said, they going on to become world champions and this and, you know, movie stars and whatnot. And they forget that, before the world title, 
they had a battle for the Intercontinental title and oh, ladder yeah. match involved. And this is a transition where, like you said, there's no Sean and Hunter is still trying to find the footing. You know, he was a bad guy maybe four months prior to that. And now with the inclusion of the Outlaws and X-Pac, they're now good guys. And it was, it, it, it was weird to see that at that time. People were cheering Triple H, cheering DX, and they would do the things with, you know, Nitro, the tank, and everything. So now they were looked at as, looked at as good people. Now, The Rock, on the other hand, you know, he had the stint with the, with the good guy role. Nobody liked it. He's now with the nation. He's now the leader of the nation. And after that, he was in a world title picture the following month, I, I believe, at Breakdown. So yeah. he, he dropped that belt and said, I'm going up here. Hunter stayed in the IC title match uh, area for a while. And he didn't break out till I think, a year later. So it, like you said, it, it, the IC title rivalry is it, great. But a lot of fans forget about that. Oh, I, absolutely. I mean, that you know, that's what I mean. You know, this is when you really, you know, this was definitely uh, – for older fans at the time, you know, this was not the WWE you grew up with. This was very, very different. And, uh, and, and again, the, the height of Austin 316, yeah. uh, the height of the attitude era. And it was just an amazing, amazing time. And, you know, I mean, you know, Kane, you mentioned Kane. I mean, one of the most enduring characters, uh, in WWE history, was you know months into his tenure, mm-hmm. um, and mankind as well, you know, reaching another level. Uh, so there were a lot of things happening for WWE at, at that time, which helped really propel it ahead of WCW. Because you have to remember, WWE has always created stars. Correct, and that's something that has always separated them from any other wrestling or sports entertainment company. And, and what you saw here was that turn of WWE, you know, off the, the momentum of WrestleMania 14, mm. really just reaching another level and WCW becoming stagnant. Brian, before I get you out of here, just for nostalgia purposes, um, currently we're going to have Triple H and The Undertaker one more time in Melbourne, Australia in October. Uh, they're billion as last time ever. For nostalgia purposes, and we've seen these two guys wrestle so many times, I guess how excited are you to see Triple H now in his 40s and Taker in his 50s go at it one more time? I'm very excited because these are two master craftsmen. Um, I was at WrestleMania uh, 27 and 28 mm-hmm. when, when they had their incredible battles. Um, they also had a great WrestleMania match at WrestleMania 17, uh, which I'm a little disappointed that the company doesn't acknowledge more because it was just such a great match. Um, but I, I, think, I think their match in Australia is is going to be very very good and one that you definitely that you definitely want to see. I do want and I talked about this with somebody this morning. There is such a great opportunity now 
for a lot of um, potential, you know, real, really highly anticipated matches uh, from, you know, guys that men and women who, whether they made their name somewhere else or they came up through Ring of Honor and are now in WWE or, or uh, NXT. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd really like to see some of these almost dream matches um, with some of the, the newer talent as well. Uh, so you really get a, a super card, super show kind of feel. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I don't know what kind of match you're going to get. I don't know how long the match is going to be. We just seen Taker at WrestleMania against, against John Cena in like three minutes. Uh, the game says he's, in, he's still in shape. You know, he said, quote unquote, I got that call for one more match and, you know, let, let's do it. So um, the one thing real quick that he, he said, and I, I, don't, I, I don't know where to take it. He says, either our era or this era is back. And I'm trying to figure out, like, what do you mean? I, you know, after that match, who else is there from your era that's still going at it? Kane? I, I don't know who else is still. When you say the era is back, is it back for one night, or what are you what are you trying to do? Well, the the, the way the way that I took it was that for that night, it's back. Right. That's how I'm taking it. Um, you know, look, you know, and one of the things that we've known, you never say never in WWE, mm-hmm. but you know. I mean, unless there are other matches that are going to be announced um, that we don't know about, I'm taking it as, okay, it's just this, you know, for this night, their era returns. Yeah, because you have Trish Stratus coming back. Uh, I think she had the match against Alexa Bliss. So, uh, the um, oh no, that that's the that's the Evolution joint. Um, yep. I mean, still, just I guess in in next month in October, you're gonna get a wide variety of throwbacks from Lita, Trish, you know, with, with the Women's Evolution pay per view, and now the um, the Super Showdown as they're billing it. So I think it should be very interesting. We'll see where it goes. Uh, hopefully nobody gets hurt, but I'm um, just seeing Hunter and Taker go at it one more time. Uh, regardless of how long it goes, I think it's a v- it's, it's a real nice throwback for all the fans uh, in Australia. I agree, I agree, and it's going to be another mega event for WWE. Brian, always appreciated, man. Uh, New York Times best-selling author. Uh, second Nature, 30 Years of WrestleMania. I'm pretty sure you have some other things in the works, but you can't tell me right now, so we'll, we'll get you on sometime later in the near future, man. Look, I, it's been years, man. I, I appreciate your friendship. Mm. I appreciate your support. You do a great job on this show. Thank you for always welcoming me back. And uh, anytime you want me back on, just let me know. It'll, it'll be my pleasure. All right, man. We'll make it happen again. You can follow Brian on Twitter and Instagram at It's Brian Shields. Brian, my man, thank you. Thank you. All right, man. Take it easy.